Hi, we've got three stories from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn how your voice changes when you talk to someone attractive, how a cure for malaria turned into a popular cocktail, and how to figure out whether your work is a job, a career, or a calling. Let's satisfy some curiosity on the award-winning Curiosity Daily. Did you know that your voice changes when you talk to someone you find attractive? If you're talking with a slightly lower than normal speaking pitch, it may mean you think the person you're talking to is a babe. Honestly, my favorite part about this story is knowing what to listen for in other people. Yeah, but the problem is that when you meet someone for the first time, you don't know what their regular speaking voice is. Ah, very true. Mm -hmm. So if they always speak to you in a low voice and then you hear them speak to someone else, that's when you know. Yes. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) this idea comes from a couple different studies. A 2010 study published in the Journal of Nonverbal Behavior found that people subconsciously tweak the pitch of their voice when they're chatting with someone they think is good looking. Both heterosexual men and women tended to lower their voices if they found their opposite sex conversation partner attractive. This surprised the researchers because they thought the men would lower their voices, but women would raise theirs. Not the case. And a study from way back in 1979 bears this out. That study asked participants to simulate a quote-unquote sexy voice, and both the men and women in the study greatly decreased the pitch of their voices, with females lowering the frequency of their voices even more than the men did. According to that study, quote, This suggests that the motivation to display a sexy, seductive female voice may conflict with the motivation to sound more feminine and or reproductively fit, unquote. In terms of why we find attractive people, well, attractive in the first place, there's at least one scientific explanation. From a science standpoint, beauty is almost like a language that conveys information about health and fertility. From a survival standpoint, finding a healthy, fertile mate is your best chance at successfully spreading your genes. Producing offspring is the main evolutionary objective for living beings, after all. But hey, like whatever you want to like. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder and in the ear. There is a single plant that was at the center of multiple empires throughout human history. Meet the most important plant you've never heard of, the cinchona. Actually, you may have heard of it on a previous episode because we briefly mentioned it while talking about gin and tonic and seltzer water and other things. But we'll get back around to that. Sure. Here's the story. In the 15th and 16th century, the Spanish began pouring into the Americas and they brought malaria with them. There was no cure at the time either. Not good. Before malaria started to spread in the Americas, though, the Quechua peoples of the Andes were using a natural cure for fevers, the bark of the quina tree. Spanish colonizers saw that the bark helped to cure non-malarial fevers, so they tried it out. And from that moment up until the mid-20th century, quina became the only known cure for malaria. The tree was named cincona, but its ground bark was given the name quinine. Quinine made its way back to Europe, And as the Spanish continued to take over the Americas, they started to tightly regulate their control over quinine. After all, they'd have a distinct upper hand in international affairs if they were able to control the spread of malaria. In fact, in 1778, Spain made it illegal to export quinine from its territories under penalty of death. Still, British and Dutch colonists were able to smuggle out plants, and they started growing their own forests of cinchona in places like India. Even as the age of exploration faded and the great multi-continental empires cracked and crumbled, revolutionary icons relied on the plant. Simón Bolívar even incorporated it into Peru's coat of arms. Quinine was the only effective treatment for malaria for a few hundred years, 
but it tasted bitter and unpleasant, so people came up with ways to mask the taste. Most of those strategies involved alcohol. In England, the most popular way to take the medicine was a carbonated mixture of quinine, sugar, and water, today known as tonic. That's right. The same stuff that used to be a matter of life and death for colonizers around the world is now served with gin and lime in a highball glass. We have to admit there are worse ways to keep yourself healthy. Just always drink responsibly. Today's episode is sponsored by Purple Mattress. How did you sleep last night? Did you pass out after a nightcap in a highball glass? More importantly, how did you wake up? You can sleep like a rock, but wake up stiff or sore, and that can mess up your whole day. So why not try a Purple Mattress? The Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam you're probably used to. The Purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time, so it keeps everything supported, but it still feels really comfortable. And it's also breathable, so it sleeps cool. With Purple Mattress, you can get a 100-night risk-free trial. And if you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, and you'll also get free shipping and returns and free in-home setup and old mattress removal. You're going to love Purple. And right now, Curiosity Daily listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's an addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text CURIOUS to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text CURIOUS to 474747. That's C-U-R-I-O-U-S to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. When you go to work, would you say it's a job, a career, or a calling? According to one study, the way you see your work can say a lot about how satisfied you are with it. And since work takes up about a third of our lives, that can have a pretty big impact on your overall happiness. So let's get into a few different ways you can view your work and a way to change how you think about it, if you want to. These guidelines come from a study of about 200 workers in the late 90s. The researchers in that study came up with three primary ways a person can see their work. A job, a career, or a calling. A job means you see your work as a way to pay the bills and do the stuff you want, like pay for plane tickets, go to concerts, all that stuff. Basically, you're working for the weekend. A career means you're laser-focused on advancement at work. You are focused on getting raises, getting promotions, and getting more power. Your current role is probably just a stepping stone to a better one. And finally, a calling means you focus on enjoyment or meaning, or both, that you draw from your work. Now, what's interesting is that in this study, participants' responses were split almost equally across job, career, and calling, even within a specific position. The authors of the study hypothesized that the way you see your work might depend more on your personality than on the type of work that you actually do. And you should be able to shift the way you see your work even just by reflecting on why your work matters to other people. Now, if you're not sure how you view your work, then you can take a quiz from the University of Pennsylvania that's similar to the one used in the study I've been talking about. There's a link to that and our full write-up on Curiosity.com and on our free Curiosity app for Android and iOS. And you can find a link to that in today's show notes. As for us, I didn't take the quiz, but I'm pretty sure I'm working where I feel my calling. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Ashley, perhaps you were in the same boat? Yeah, for the calling part of the quiz, the score is between a zero and a three, and I got a three. There you go. I think that's pretty much right. Nice. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.